You're listening to a 95BFM podcast. Now it's time for our weekly catch-up with National Party MP James Meagher. In my weekly interview with Nationals James Meagher, I begin with Nationals' promised ban on wearing gang patches in public. The ban is due to come later this year as a part of a bundle of legislation aimed at reducing gang presence in communities. A similar law was passed by the Whanganui District Council in 2009, which was later reviewed by the High Court and found to be unlawful and in violation of the Bill of Rights. We then briefly discussed Labour's clean car discount, which was repealed by the national government on the 31st of December last year. Ministry of Transport data shows that registrations of new electric vehicles have decreased from 1 in 4 in 2023 to 1 in 26 in January this year. Here is that interview. Just a refresher for our listeners, what is the gang patch legislation actually trying to address? Yeah, good morning. So, look, government's going to try and implement uh, legislation to ban all gang insignia in public places, um, and that's with the aim of ensuring that New Zealanders feel safe in their own communities. And it's actually part of a wider package. So police are always also going to be able to get powers to issue dispersal notices, so that'll be um, powers for, to require gangs to uh, leave an area where they're gathering or consorting, and there'll also be legislation to um, for the courts to issue non-consorting orders, which will uh, force gangs to not have contact, or particular gang members not to have contact with each other. And the overall driver behind this is to try and disrupt the uh, growth in gang activity that we've seen in the country over the past few years. Uh, we know that gangs are criminal organisations, and we don't see a place for them in our community. Is this a big issue that people are wearing these patches in public? Well, I think the issue is gang activity in the first place. And what the patches signify is that harassment and intimidation that gangs like to try and put out there, out in the community. Um, I mean, they are, they are in, in their industry for a reason, right? And that's to sow fear and um, intimidation through our communities so that they can bully their way around and get their way around. Well, it's not welcome in our communities. So by removing that part of what it means to be a gang member, we hope that we can discourage and try and actually get them off our streets. How are the police going to be equipped to enforce this legislation? Yeah, so we had uh, Commissioner Andrew Costa before Select Committee, uh, Justice Committee a couple of weeks ago, and the police are very much in favour of increased abilities to deal with gangs. They find it very difficult, or have found it very difficult in the past, to deal with a gang presence uh, when there is there is no um, active crime being uh, committed. So uh, the Commissioner is very, very pleased, I think, with um, the moves that the government's heading in. And essentially, the, the police will just be resourced. We're going to uh, uh, hire 500 more police over the next two years. So that will help bolster frontline staffing in our constabulary. And then, of course, the police are highly skilled. We've got some of the greatest police in the world, and they will be able to use the tactical um, operations and experience that they have to order to deal with the problem. When a patch ban was trialled in Whanganui, in 2009, the Hells Angels later asked the High Court to review the law, and the High Court ruled that the law was inconsistent with the Bill of Rights. Um, what would happen if the High Court reached the same decision on the current legislation? Well, the High Court can't. So what happened in the Wanganui uh, case was that was bylaw by councils, and bylaws are reviewable by the courts. Um, primary legislation, due to Parliament being sovereign, is not reviewable by the courts, so it's just not a possibility. Right, but still, how would you respond to the idea that this gang patch legislation was inconsistent with the Bill of Rights and unlawful? Well, it won't be unlawful. So we've got to be key on that. Parliament is sovereign. Parliament makes the laws. When Parliament passes a law, that is what it is. No courts can declare a law to be 
um, inapplicable or unlawful. What courts have been doing in the recent past is issuing declarations of inconsistency where they do a balancing exercise where they think, and bear in mind these are the courts, and I've got to be cautious about what I say about the courts, but the courts will issue their opinion on whether or not they think on balance um, the restrictions on rights are justified in a free and democratic society. So that's the extent of it. Uh, ultimately, when, when Parliament passes the law, it is the law, and we expect people to comply with it. There's a few other policies towards gangs, obviously, that you mentioned earlier, uh, that the National Party is uh, passing in a, in a bundle together. One of these policies would prevent gang members from communicating or associating with one another upon court mm. order. How would this work if it's two gang members, let's say, that are related? Well, it would be the same way that you have um, uh, protection orders and non-harassment orders in place for every other individual and every other court order. The court will order and require an individual to do or not do something, and then the individual must comply. I think uh, there are a lot of questions around um, how, how the law is going to be implemented and how pe- why, why would people obey this. Well, the law is the law, and we expect people to obey and, and, um, and follow the law. We all do it as law-abiding citizens, so we should expect anyone subject to a court order to do so as well. And if they breach those orders, then it's up to the police and up to the courts to, to um, provide the relevant remedy and enforce it. At the end of last year, the National Party scrapped Labor's clean car discount. Could you elaborate a little bit why that happened? Yeah, so we got rid of the Ute tax because we thought it was an unfair distribution of wealth, basically, from poor to rich. So if you think of the majority of people who run around in, um, in utes or um, sort of in petrol vehicles, diesel vehicles. They are your tradies, your farmers, um, second-hand vehicles, predominantly middle- to lower-income people. And then when you think about who runs around in Teslas and um, hybrids and Priuses, they are your middle-class, higher-income, wealthy, urban, sort of liberal um, city people. And so when you, when you put a discount on those EVs, and a tax on the utes, then all you're doing is you're transferring the wealth from the ute owner uh, and the working people to the people who are getting the um, discount on their EVs. So we thought that was an unfair distribution. We thought that, um, you know, if, if you're going out and working for New Zealand and you're earning tax, then you shouldn't be unfairly penalised just because you have to use a truck or a ute for your business. That was the main reason. The other reason is that we don't necessarily think that we need as many government incentives in place to encourage EVs. We're more focused on rolling out charging networks and making sure the infrastructure is in place and um, creating more renewable electricity so that people themselves can make that choice to take up EVs. I mean, it would be, a, a, for, for anyone living in a city, that'd be a great op- option. Uh, take an EV, uh, you reduce your petrol costs, you charge it up at home, it's, it's probably lower cost of living. But for people who live in rural electrics like mine, it's not a re- realistic um, and viable option at the moment. You've got to travel a long, long way and there's not the infrastructure in place. And sometimes the EVs just don't do the job you need them to do. So that's a couple of the main reasons that we thought we'd change that law. Mm, so with those incentives to buy EVs, electric vehicles last year were about one in four new vehicles purchased. Um, this year, in the first month, they've gone to about one in 26. So it's clear that there's been some kind of drop, I guess. How would you respond to that? Yeah, well, there's when you make something cheaper, people are going to buy more of it. I think that's the whole point of the subsidy in the first place. Um, but at the same token, when you make things more expensive, like when you make utes and everything more expensive, you increase the cost of living on those people who then have to pay more for the utes and the petrol vehicle. And then that flows on to their own cost of living, their groceries, their um, renting out. So, yeah, it's, it's probably going to have an impact. The other thing is you, you can't really tell without doing some sort of um, controlled study the exact impact the discount had on 
purchasing electric vehicles. We were already on the pathway to purchasing and increasing our electric vehicle fleet. And, you know, people can still make up their mind if they think it's a good economic proposition to them, if they're going to save lots of money by not spending more on petrol, then they should go for it. They should buy an EV, buy a hybrid, buy whatever suits them. But what we don't think the government should be doing is um, making those decisions for them and forcing people's hands one way or the other. That was the National Party's James Meagher speaking about National's gang patch legislation and the repeal of the clean car discount. That was our catch-up with National Party MP James Meagher. That was a 95BFM podcast. To hear more, head to 95BFM.com slash bcasts.